Luke chapter 11. If you have it, say amen. amen. Again, reading in verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, and here comes the parables, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. And I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask and it shall be given, you seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then been evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father Give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. We'll stop there. The reason I, I began in verse 1, it's because you have to have verses 1 through 4 to understand the subject of these parables. He actually gives two different parables. And remember, we, let's a brief, brief recap. If you haven't heard any of the messages before, the very first message I preached about parables was simply almost explaining what a parable was. And I, I kind of brought up the, um, the humorous side of it. It seemed like there was little short questions that were asked, and Jesus took a long time to answer those short questions, kind of like some preachers take a long time trying to get to the point when they can get to the point a lot quicker. But anyway, um, so he, these were called parables, and the word para uh, the, the, the prefix para in the Greek means beside. And so what he would do is he would take uh, an earthly story and he would put it beside a heavenly illustration or a heavenly meaning. And so therefore he would take things that were maybe difficult to understand and bring them down to where we could all apply it to our lives. And God's word is still re- relevant today, right? So it, it's, not, it does, it's not confusing if you ask and you pray that the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you as you read his word, he will tell you and show you what it means to you. I didn't expect that to hit me like it did, but it's precious when he shows you how a verse applies to you. And that's how wonderful the word of God is. And so this subject in these, these verses that I read to you, the main subject is prayer. These parables are about prayer. And Jesus, uh, we can see that he not only um, used this as a principle, but he also practiced it. Jesus not only showed us how to pray, he prayed as well. 
it tells us in verse one, when he finished praying, when he ceased, then they asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Now this, this prayer that we have that he gives in the next few verses is found in other passages of scripture and it's commonly referred to as the Lord's prayer. But technically it's not the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer is actually in another location when he prayed in the garden. That's the Lord's prayer. This is the model prayer. This is the way we should pray to the father. This is not the way he prayed to the father. This is the way we should pray to the father. That's so it was a principle that he showed us. And so to, to uh, basically uh, further explain what he meant by that, he gives us these parables. The first parable is the parable of three friends, three friends. We have one friend that shows up in the middle of the night wanting something to eat. Friend number two doesn't have anything ready. So he goes to friend number three and says, wake up. I need some bread. I need something to feed my friend that has come on his journey. I don't have anything. Can you give me something? And then we have this conversation that goes between uh, friends two and friends three. And so we have this kind of conversation going on. And this friend number three says, I don't want to, I don't want to wake up because my family is asleep and I don't want to disturb them. See, and, and they didn't have Sealy Posturpedics mattresses back then. They didn't have, it was one room and their bed was on the floor. And so they all slept on the floor. And so if the daddy got up, no doubt he would stir up the rest of the family. So he did, they were all asleep. It was midnight and he didn't want to disturb them. And so uh, he said, you know, basically I, I can't get up. I, I would, I would, my family wouldn't like it. And my wife definitely wouldn't like it if I woke her up in the middle of the night. I'm paraphrasing. It's not in there, but it's, it doesn't mean it's not in there either. But you know what I'm saying? He, did, he didn't want to bother him. So it says in verse eight, because of number two, friend number two, because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needed. So it says that this friend number three is not going to get up because he's his friend. He's going to get up because of friend number two's importunity. You said, Brian, what's importunity? As George Holly says, you're asking great questions. <laughs> importunity simply means persistence. So what he's saying is, because this friend number two would not shut up, and because he got on his nerves, he's going to wake up and he's going to give him as much bread as he needs. Now we have to understand the focus in this parable is not on friend number three. The focus is on friend number two. That's the first thing that Christ is trying to teach us about prayer is number one, there's persistence in prayer persistence in prayer. How many of you understand? And how many of you know what it means to serve a God that's a right now God? Amen. Don't you love it when he's a right now God? I love it. I love it when we pray and hallelujah, it's right there. But how many of you know, it ain't like that all the time. But just because he's a right now God doesn't mean he's not an on time God. <laughs> 
Okay, so most of the time when we pray, he's not a right now God. But I guarantee this, when we pray, he's an on time God. And there's a reason why. Because when we are persistent in our prayers, when we are consistent in our prayers, it it, it moves the hand of God. It strikes a nerve within the hand of God. And I, I know this may not be theologically correct, but I think I'm preaching to some people that don't mind getting on God's nerves. And I know that's not theologically correct. We're not going to unsettle him in no way. But what I'm trying to paint a picture is this. Sometimes prayer is not something that happens immediately. Most of the time prayer is a journey. And it's not about the destination. It's about the journey to get to where you're going. And so persistent prayer shows us this, that we only have one option. And the option is the heavenly father and who we are calling upon. When we are persistent, you know what we're saying? We're saying, God, only you and you alone is able to answer the prayer that I'm praying. So I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep on praying until I hear from you. Amen. Amen. I don't mean to embarrass him, and I'm not going to give you the details, but our good friend Don Kidder got a prayer answered this week that he'd been praying for over nine months. Nine months. And he said, Lord, how, I'm sure there come times, Don, when you thought, how am I going to make it? And God would just drop what you needed to get through. But the prayer wasn't answered yet. But hallelujah, God made a way when there seemed to be no way. When you're dealing with the government, you never know what you're going to get and when you're going to get it. But thank God, I'm glad God's in control. And he shows up when we need it. But guess what? Don didn't give up praying. I know sometimes we get a little passive when we pray and sometimes we, and, and we, we think, well, God hears us the first time. I know we use Daniel. We use that as, as a, out of context. I say, well, God heard me the first time. I don't have to pray anymore. And we use Daniel and say, well, God heard Daniel the first time, but Daniel never gave up. He kept praying three times a day until he heard from God. So I'm not saying God doesn't have a hearing problem. We've got a praying problem. And we just don't pray enough. The old timers said you pray until you pray through. And Brother Delbert Evans used to tell us, how do you know when you pray through? You pray, you pray, you pray, you pray, and you keep praying until you're through. You say, Brad, how do you know when you're through? You'll know when you're through. You'll know, hallelujah, I feel the Lord tonight. You'll know when you hit heaven. You know when you hear from God. And it may not be the answer you're looking for, but I guarantee persistent prayer will move the hand of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jacob in Genesis 33, he was persistent. God came to him in a dream. He saw angels descending in this, and ascending on a ladder. And God said, I'm going to do work in you. And Jacob said, okay, boy, let's go. So they began a wrestling match. And at the break of day, the angel said, let, let me go for the day breaketh. And Jacob said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. 
You know what that was? That was persistence. Some of us stop short of our blessing. When God says you keep going, you keep praying, you keep believing, you keep fasting, you keep coming to church, you keep praying. If you prayed yesterday and it didn't happen, pray today. If it didn't happen today, pray tomorrow. If it doesn't happen tomorrow, pray next week. What I'm saying is don't ever quit praying. Woo, glory to God. Matthew chapter 15, there was a Syrophoenician woman didn't even believe in Jesus. But whenever the devil came to her house, she wanted to find out who he was. <laughs> so the devil came to her house and got inside her daughter and she found out where Jesus was. She came and busted through the door. She went through those disciples and came to Jesus and knelt at his feet. And she was asking that her daughter would be healed. And Jesus said those words that many of us have heard and read before. He said, it's not meat for me to, it's not right. It's not, you don't even deserve the blessings of God. It's not meat for me to take the master's bread and give it to the dogs. But notice she wasn't going to take no for an answer. <laughs> she said, yay, Lord, I'm not saying you're wrong. But what I'm saying is this, even the dogs get the crumbs. <laughs> oh, that's powerful. Why? Because she knew how much power is in a crumb from the bread of the master. Amen. She didn't give up and God healed her daughter. What I'm trying to tell you tonight, some of us give up too short. You keep on being persistent. Thank God and God's going to answer. Amen. Woo. Amen. Prayer is persistent. Secondly, notice this. Prayer, it's parental. Parental. He said, whether you get that, you get that in verse 2. He says, when you pray, I want you to call God Father. You know what Jesus did when he told him to pray that way? He turned it from religion to relation. All up, up leading up into this, they reverenced God in the religious form. All the religious leaders that were around him, all the religious leaders that were despising him and trying to trip him up. Jesus said, you don't need religion. You need a relationship. You know what he was saying? God wants and desires to have a relationship with you. And it's not wrong to call him your father. Because when we say God, it brings on the aspect of, 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 of something that we can't attain. And of course we can, he's God. But when we call him father, doesn't that have a different ring to it? Doesn't it bring it down to where we're living? And saying, Lord, not only are you the God of this universe, but you love me so much that you want me to have a relationship with you. Boy, isn't that precious. You know, God enjoys it when we talk to him. He wants to have a relationship with us. But just like a father and just like a parent, not only does he want a relationship, but if we look at his reply, his reply is not dictated on what we want. His reply to us 
is dictated by what we need. Sometimes it's not good to give your children everything they want. But it's really good to give them what they need. And sometimes when we pray, God will respond and give us something. And we look at it and think, well, that's not what I prayed for. But what you don't know is God's given you... (laughs) God's given you what you need because he knows what you want isn't what you need because sometimes our wants are filled with selfish desires and selfish motives and he says but what I'm giving you let me give it to you this way when God responds to us he responds for the greater good not the immediate good. Because if we understand the greater good is more important than being satisfied right now, then we'll truly understand how God will respond to us and why he responds to us the way he does. And some of you looking back over your life, you can testify and say, thank God he didn't give me what I asked for. Some of you, you ain't, you ain't gonna do it out loud, but inside you're thinking, thank God I didn't get that woman. <laughs> and some of you ladies are like, thank God he didn't let me have that man. But he gave you exactly who you needed and you found perfect and true love because God ordained it. Amen. Amen. Not only is prayer persistent and prayers parental but finally prayer is perpetual notice what he says in verses 11 and 12 here's the other parable he said if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father will he give him a stone or if he ask a fish will he for a fish give him a serpent or if he shall ask an egg will he offer him a scorpion Of course, those are obvious. Those are loaded questions. A real father wouldn't do that. And he answers and said, well, if ye then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Now, sometimes we want to get caught up on verse 11 and we get caught up in the gifts and we're missing the whole point. You say, what is he trying to teach us here? He's saying if, if he means being evil, those that are sinners, those of us, they're us. If we being human beings, being evil internally, if we know how to give our children good gifts, how much more does our heavenly father how much more can he give us when he gives us the Holy Spirit? He say, what's he mean by that? The people that are evil that he's talking here, giving good gifts, every gift he speaks about is temporary. 
But the gift that God gives us, the Holy Spirit, is eternal. He said, I know you're going to give your, your, uh, your children good gifts because that's what a good, a good father does. But any good gift you give him on earth, it isn't going to last. But think about how much more your heavenly father loves you when he gives you the gift of the Holy Ghost that will last eternal. But here's the condition, if you ask. If you ask. If you ask. The gift that he gives actually keeps giving eternally. It never stops giving. It's a gift that we can tap into every single day of our life. And it will give us and lead us into heaven. So you know what the whole point of this, of this Luke chapter 11, these two parables, here's the whole point of it. Boils down to simply this. Every parable that I've taught you has one simple thought to bring it all home. And it's simply this. The most valuable gift that you can possess is a relationship with God the Father. That's the greatest gift. That's your most valuable possession is having a personal relationship with God so much that you can call him your father. And folks, it's a privilege to call him your father. It's a blessing to call him your father. I feel like I got the best daddy in the world. And I would say that even if he's not here. But he happens to be here. I never had a need for anything growing up. But I wasn't spoiled. Except when I got the Atari for Christmas. That was awesome. I never have forgotten that. That was life changing. It was our first TV. It was the Atari playing Pac-Man. How about that? But no, and, and my, my daddy's been great to me. Every, anything I need, all I gotta do is ask. But he'll, he'll be able to tell you the first, he'll be the first to tell you. There were times when I went to him and asked and he couldn't help me. There were some times I went to him and pleaded for advice and he said, nope. That's between you and your heavenly father. And folks, what a pleasure it is to know that when I went to my heavenly father and asked, yeah, I may not have got it right then, but I eventually got it. Because he knows what we need. And listen, if you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, boy, I couldn't think of a better time for you to come and start that relationship tonight.